Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Pathway. How many of you came to be in the presence of the Lord today? You came with that expectation. You know, I would much rather be around somebody that expects good things to happen than around people expecting bad things to happen. And I know this, um, when I come to the house of the Lord, I come with an expectation that God is going to show up and he's going to move. And it's my expectation. It's his expectation. You know, actually the Lord is looking, he's looking for people who will cooperate with him in his mission on the earth. And I'm thankful that Pathway Church is that kind of people. And uh, I'm just so thankful for God's good grace in us here today. Amen. Hey, bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord, we come to you today thanking you for your grace and your goodness, your faithfulness. Lord, according to your word throughout the generations, to all generations, thank you that you have not left us, you've not forsaken us. Thank you that you're here today and that your joy, your strength, your peace embodied in your son, Jesus, is here. Lord, thank you that joy is not just an idea or a thing, that hope is not just an idea or a thing. Thank you that peace is not just a hope or a thing, but Lord, we thank you that hope, peace, joy, love is a man named Jesus. We love you today. We pray in his good name, amen, amen. Today I wanna to talk to you about joy. Joy, say that with me, joy, joy, joy to the world. That's, that's what we hear at Christmas. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, joy to the world. And, and joy to you as well. And if you don't have the joy, some of you say, oh, I have the joy of the Lord. Well, if that's the case, your heart needs to inform your face. <laughs> so, some of us have that brand of Christianity, you know, it looks like we've been sucking on a bowl of lemons. And then we tell people, if you want joy like I have, you know, come and know Jesus. And I, I'm just thinking, we, look, there, there's a difference between eternal life and abundant life. Eternal life is what we get when we come to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us our sins. But Jesus is not just about getting us into heaven. He wants us to have an abundant life here and now where we can walk in the promises of God. And, uh, you know, I don't want to wait until I get to heaven before I experience heaven. The kingdom of God is living in my heart, living in your heart. And so, you know, this, in a world that's full of hell and chaos, it ought to be that God's people bring a little bit of heaven to dispel that darkness that's around us. And so if you're thankful today for the joy of God in Christ Jesus in your life, one more time, won't you just bless the Lord today? Now, joy is a concept that, you know, it's, it's really wonderful to think of at the beginning of life, but as life goes on, you, you face some things. Anybody face some things in life? Like you've gotten to this point, you have some scars, not just scars, some of you have open wounds, you have things that you're going through right now and you say, well, it's, it's nice to talk about joy, but you know what, I'm experiencing, experiencing some things. And I'm not here to tell you that you need to have a false positive confession 
you know, you're going through some stuff. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. You know what? Sometimes we're going through stuff as believers. You know, depression does not only affect the unbeliever, depression also affects the believer. And there, there are physical problems Christians and non-Christians will face. There are emotional and mental problems that the believer and the unbeliever will also face. Did you know that there are believers, followers of Jesus Christ, that experience depression? Did you know that there are Christians who are bipolar? Did you, know, did you know that there are Christians who have chemical imbalances that make it very difficult for them to see the world? Did you know that there are Christians who have suicidal tendencies and face things and the fact that you face things doesn't make you not a believer. But here's the thing, in the middle of our challenges, I want you to know today that we can, we can still experience joy. You know, it was even, you know, when you think of the great humanitarians in history, you think of people like Mother Teresa, who uh, served the most marginalized human beings on earth there in Calcutta, India. Yet when she describes the emotional state that she had, she would oftentimes talk about her dark night of the soul. That was her way of talking about her depression. And I just want to, I just want to look at some real people here just for a second. Not the kind of Christians that fake it until they make it, but I'm talking about real life people that love Jesus and face stuff. Am, am I in the right place today? Right. We need to be able to be honest about where we are if we want God to heal us. And if we're always pretending like everything's okay, then we never have anything to bring to the Lord. Listen, the Bible says we can come boldly before the throne room of grace and make our petitions known. So let me tell you, if you're facing something today, if you're facing loss, if you're facing sickness, if you're facing financial difficulty, if you're facing some kind of emotional, mental, uh, relational difficulty today, I just want you to know you can come boldly to the throne of God and make those petitions known. and we can still have joy. It, joy is not the absence of difficulty. Joy is an assurance of God in the middle of difficulty. And when you have a longer term view on life, and when you are grounded in the scriptures, you know that the circumstances you face do not dictate your identity in Christ Jesus. In fact, one of the great preachers, I. Uh, in, in my life, I heard him preach this sermon when I was like 19 years old. He said, my present, my present situation is no indication of my position in Christ Jesus. Where I am at right now is not a picture of who I am. Listen, I know some people that have had the most meager, humble beginnings, but it did not inform their person. They may have been in poverty, but they did not have a poverty mentality. You know what I'm saying? There are some people that have faced abuse and they have been abused, but on the inside, they, in the middle of the pain, even though all of the scars and wounds are, are visible, in the middle of that pain, they can say, but I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So, so as we talk about joy today, I want you to understand that joy isn't just about us coming together and singing and being happy and everything going well. In fact, it's a state of mind and a position that we have in the middle of difficulty. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the crisis, when the outcome is still in doubt, that you can say, God, I trust you. 
You're the author and finisher of my salvation. I'm going to get my eyes off the waves. I'm going to get my eyes off the clouds. I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to trust him. Joy is something like that. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is a, a state of being and an identity that we have in our creator. And so I want to encourage some people today that if you're facing some kind of battle, whatever it is, have joy in Jesus. Now to really understand joy as a theme of Christmas and of the Advent season, which today we lit the third candle of, of the Advent wreath, it's the candle of joy. And I know that was really precious at all of our campuses today to see that candle be lit and that little flicker of hope and joy in Christ Jesus. But to really understand joy, it really helps to have an understanding of the history of the Jewish people. It, it, it's, a, it's a challenging history. I mean, just think about it. Let's start just modern times right now. You know, you think of people like Farrakhan who trains people to hate the Jewish people. And man, one of my favorite artists around me is unbelievably talented. Right now, what in the world is Kanye doing? To turn to your neighbor right now and say, what in the world is Kanye doing, you know? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I wish, I wish he would stop interviewing him right now because something isn't right going on. It's almost like taking advantage of someone. But, you know, to hear people like Kanye with anti-Semitic language is really hard to hear. I mean, what happened to closed on Sunday, you know? Where's my Chick-fil-A? That's what I want to know, you know? Uh, or we... we we see Hitler and the Nazis, the Jewish Holocaust. Millions of Jews killed in Auschwitz and concentration camps like that. Uh, did you know even in the church today, I'm not, I'm not talking about a, a church like ours, even though there would probably be this sentiment floating around somewhere because of culture, you know, and Cold, there's a cultural upstream and then we're in, in a downstream. Really, I think the church for the believer ought to be at the source of our uh, being informed in, in the scriptures. And it, it ought to affect our politics. It ought to affect our cultural leanings. It ought to affect our finances, our financial outlook, all of those sorts of things. But because so many of us are, we're, all of us, not so many, all of us are influenced by the culture. Have you noticed? I mean... We now get our theology from Instagram, TikTok, Facebook in some way or another. But in the church and some liberal mainline denominations and then these groups that are larger, they're like councils of different denominations, like the World Council of Churches, which have utterly liberalized. And when I say liberalized, I'm not talking about political liberalism. I'm talking about doctrinal and theological liberalism that denies the authority of the scriptures, the inspiration of the Bible. Then you can make the Bible say anything you want. But they have taken on these divestment strategies in finances so that church, even church retirement programs will not invest in um, corporations that supply business to the state of Israel. It's the craziest thing. It's not only in, you know, political groups, but it's happening in, in church groups. There's these divestment strategies going on. Uh, not only there, but also in left-wing, politically left-wing groups, 
and politically right-wing groups. You can find these people in all spectrums of politics right now to where the Jewish people are targeted by the world. You would think that that would not be happening after the Holocaust, after Nazism, after, after Hitler, after Egypt, after Babylon. You would think at some point you would say, hey, racism is bad. But some of the very people that decry racism among black, white, and brown will be some of the exact proponents of those who would be bigoted towards the Jews. It's the craziest thing. And so when you look at the Jewish people, this isn't something that just happened in modern times as in now or during World War II, the lead up to World War II. But this also happened in Egyptian captivity and in Babylonian captivity. And so for the Jewish people, when they're thinking about what we would call Christmas for a non-Messianic Jew, for someone that had not yet received Jesus Christ but still sees himself as a Jew, or for the Jews of Jesus' time who would come to believe on Jesus, what they were looking for is they were looking for a Messiah who would come and rescue them from their bondage and from their captivity. In fact, think about this. In Acts chapter 1, the resurrected Jesus standing before all of these witnesses or Jesus who is being taken captive by the Pharisees just before his trial. Remember what Peter did? Peter pulled out his sword, cut off Malchus' ear. He was ready to fight right then. He saw Jesus as William Wallace rather than a Jesus who would lay down his life. They were saying, when is your kingdom coming? Uh, we see... We see two disciples, the mother of a disciple, arguing for whether or not her son would get to sit on the right hand of Jesus when he took his throne, right? So he's saying, can he be your prime minister, your right-hand man? The Jews were looking for a Messiah who would overthrow this political structure that had stifled them, overthrow Rome or overthrow Egypt or overthrow Babylon. And... And so this joy that they were singing about had to do with liberation, had to do with freedom. And when you get down into what they were going through, when you, when you get down into their history and you see the freedom that comes in Jesus, joy to the world has a totally different sound. I, I want to I take you to uh, Psalm chapter 137 that describes the... Jews being taken into captivity, which let me just say right off the bat, a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I, I said that God came to set us free and that if we were still in captivity, if we were still in bondage, if we were still in addiction, we were like birds in a cage with the door open. God, listen, God came to give us freedom and liberty and joy. And, and I, I just want you to know that here at the beginning, that there is a good outcome to this story if you will allow the king of kings to be the king of your heart, the king of your life. Now, jump with me into Psalm chapter 137. We're going to read the first eight verses. This passage, by the way, is written in context of the Babylonian captivity. Like so many books of the Bible, they're not written in isolation. They're, you, you can... You can cross-reference them. You can see the, the historical context of where they were. The psalmist says, beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. 
Why? Because they had been conquered. Because they had been conquered, they had been led off into captivity. Not everyone went off into captivity. Some were left in Babylon. But the princes, the most intelligent people, the scholarly, the physically fit, you know, the people that stood out above, this is, this is common with all kinds of uh, dictators and regimes that, uh, that take out people. In fact, in Cambodia, where we do so, man, so much ministry, this is what the Khmer Rouge did. They, they came and they killed the doctors, they killed the teachers, they, they killed the educated. And then if you wore glasses and looked educated, they killed you. And, and so they had taken these people off into captivity. They wept beside the rivers of Babylon as they thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. Other translations say they hung their harps on the willow trees. To, to me, that's a very poetic uh, way to, to say that. They, they put down their guitars. They put down their musical instruments. They, they stopped singing. They, they had nothing to sing about. Why? For our captors demanded song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. They're wanting to say, we can't sing the songs of Jerusalem. They, they have them like a, a, a little pet on a string, a monkey on a string, like a, this, you know, the, the guy with the little grinder organ and the, the monkey in the hat. And you, you know, just go ahead and sing for us. Make, make us happy. And the Jews are saying, well, we're, we're not happy. We're weeping. We've lost our sons and daughters and our mothers and fathers and our identity. So many things that was important to us. The things that are familiar to us, they're, they're gone. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? Now, as we sing this, you, you got to still remember Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29 is a prophecy of them going into Babylon. They said, listen, now you're going into Babylon. You're going into a pagan land. Don't shrink back. Don't, don't hang your harps on the willow trees. That's, that's what Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is saying. Don't you give up. In fact, you build homes, you plant gardens, you get married, you have children. Don't shrink back, but increase. And the reason for that is because our joy is not dependent on our land, on our citizenship, on our physical health, on our present situation. Remember, my present situation is no indication of my future potential in Christ Jesus. That's why we can be joyful in the middle of great trials, or that's why we should be. Not everyone is. Most people are not. There, there are many Christians that have eternal life and many Christians that don't have abundant life, that don't, don't understand, they, they don't understand, we don't understand. I don't always understand. I get it right sometimes. I don't get it all right all the time. That puts me in a category with a number of you. Come on, somebody, please help me and let me know that not everybody in here is perfect and doesn't get it right all the time, but you serve the perfect one. You serve the perfect one. So they're going through this, this great trial. And how can we, how, it's a question, how can we sing the songs of Jerusalem, the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? And so they're saying this one negative thing. Listen to the next thing they say. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. I don't want to play, but I'm going to keep playing. Not because of where I am, but because of who I know. Because, but because of where I come, I've come from and, and because of where I'm going. See, you got to know both places. You, you, you get roots and you get wings. Pathway Church is 
going somewhere, but Pathway Church came from somewhere, right? Man, one of the greatest things my dad ever told me as a kid, he would say, son, you better act like you're a Johnson. He, re- he reminded me that I was somebody. What's, there's a lot of Johnsons in the world, right? There, there's some really bad Johnsons. We got some good Johnsons in our family. We got some bad Johnsons in our family too, right? It, it's not about the name. It's about our identity, who, who we are. And, and, and I, I want to encourage you today. One of the most difficult things for me to hear is for people to trash talk and badmouth their children because you're shaping their future. Be careful what you say about your children. Be careful what you say about yourself. I, I always mess up. Stop saying that because you can stop messing up. Right? I, I, I always, when, when it, 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 it gets down to the brass tacks, you know, I just fold under pressure. Stop saying that. You know, if you're playing ball, say, I'm going to hit this shot. I kid you, I'm not a golfer, but I golf, right? I'll golf if somebody wants to golf. But I was out at this fundraiser at the old farm in Bristol, Tennessee. It's an elite golf club. And you couldn't drive golf carts. You had to walk it and you had to have a caddy. And I had this caddy. Now, I... I was doing this because it's a fundraiser. They treat you really nice like this, thinking that now you're going to fund, you know, the, the work they're doing. It was, it was great organization, serving orphans worldwide, one of the great organizations. And so I'm there, and I had a caddy. He was British. He was British. And every time I would step up to hit the ball, you know, i start settling in. I had all this pressure because the guys I was playing with, they were good. And then my caddy would say, just before I hit the ball, he said, I believe in you. Just go ahead and turn to your neighbor right now and say, I believe in you. And I promise you, I hit the ball better. I, 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 I hit the ball better. Some of you need to begin speaking the things of God over your life and not speaking the things of your past over your life. And I know what they say, that past behavior is the greatest indication of future behavior, and that is true. But listen, my future is not dependent on my past. My future as a believer is dependent on Jesus. And you know what? God is doing a new thing in here. He's doing a new thing with us. And yeah, your, your parents may have been no good. Your grandparents been, may have been no good. You, you may be the first one to amount, to potentially amount for anything in your life. But listen, God, for the believer, God is going to do a new thing in you. And he's going to be faithful to you and to your children and your children's children. And if God has spoken that over your life, who are you to second guess God? And, and so you may be in captivity. You may be facing some things. But God, help us. If we forget how to pr- play the songs of the Lord. Things are just too difficult. Listen, when things are difficult, that's when you most need to worship the Lord. That's when you most need to speak the words of God over your life and over your children. See, these things are self-fulfilling prophecies. So often we speak things and we become those things. We write, you don't like your husband? Begin to speak good things over your husband. You don't like your wife? Begin to speak good things over your wife. You know, if you want a thoroughbred for a wife, stop treating her like a nag. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. You know, 
Build one another up. The last thing your spouse needs you to do is to be diminishing them, talking bad about them, second guessing them, contradicting. Look, if they said the fish was this big and it was really this big, wait until you get home. Don't tell it, say it in front of all their friends. I'm just putting that out there. That's not personal or private. That's it. It, Somebody just took them a little bit there. (laughs) If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. If I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. And where where are they saying this? In the middle of captivity in the middle of their difficulty. Well, pastor, I'm just, the devil's on my back. Well, worship him, worship God until that joker gets off your back. Don't give him a, don't give him a toehold. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a stronghold. Stiff arm Heisman, that joker. Out, you know what I'm saying? Begin to speak the words of God of your life. But it's true, it's true. This is something we need to understand today. It's really hard to sing when you lost your joy. Here, let let me say it like this. Don't wait until you're joyful to sing, but sing until you're joyful. Prophesy over your life. That's a a church, that's a churchy way to say that. Why why are you saying that? Because that's who I'm going to be. That's who I'm going to be. You can't wait to be it before you speak about it. You speak about it, you act like it until you be it. how do I, how do I uh, become something great? Do great things. Do great things. Because you don't just wake up and be great. You do great things repeatedly over and over. The little things great until eventually you become what you've done. Now, I, I've heard people, there, there, there's a philosophy, know, be, do. I don't, even, I don't think it's like that. I, I mean, I understand it. I appreciate it. Yeah, that is true. But for so many of us, it's no, do, be. How do I become something great? You got to do something to start. At some, if you want to be a great follower of Christ, at some point, you got to get out of that seat and walk down that row in front of all these people and come down and give your life to God. Altar calls in the church now, I, man, I, so, so much drama and nervousness and people don't want to make commitments, don't want to commit out in front of people. Listen, there's some things you just have to do that are difficult. Well, I don't, I don't want to go to church because people think that I'm holier than that. Well, yeah. Who cares? Who cares? What are people going to think? If I, right, one of my great friends was an elder of his church on the deacon board before he got saved. And you know what? God gripped his heart. He may be watching right now. God gripped his heart at a men's meeting and he made the walk down. What did people think that one of the elders of the church got saved? Who cares what people think? That's the problem for most of it as, it as it is, as it is. Let's care about what the Lord thinks. And when we get that right, he'll work out all the rest. Amen. Amen. It's hard to sing when you have joy, when you've lost your joy. Now I want to, I want to look here for a second, man, I'm just going to run out of time. There's a lot of things I want to say here. We have a really romantic view of Daniel 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were there in, in Babylon. You know, they went in there. They said, well, you know what? We want to do the Daniel fast. You know, before there was a Daniel fast. New Year's is coming up. Some of you guys are going to do that. They didn't want to eat meat. They said, look, let us just observe our law, our commitment, and see how we do. We see that they grew and excelled uh, beyond all the other princes and all the other captives. And then we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow when everybody else was bow. Listen, everybody today is in the business of kowtowing to whatever agenda is going on. Listen, we're going to serve the Lord. And, but we love to romanticize that part of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how Daniel rose to be the prime minister over all the over all of Babylon, pretty awesome, right? I want you to think about some of the things that they may have gone through though. I, I want you to go really quickly to 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 16. The Bible says, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord, the time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And then listen to this. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They will, be caught, they will become eunuchs and will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. So you don't really think of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego like that. They experience the most gruesome, terrorism, abuse that a human being could experience. Yet what did they do? They trusted the Lord. Somebody just needs to get that understanding today. They, I'm not saying this happened to Daniel, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they were definitely princes who were carried away into Babylon. Hezekiah, of course, you see right here, he said, well, this is good news because I'm not gonna lose my kingdom. Actually, here in this last verse, he says, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. He actually said, this is good news. It's not good news when your children get carried away. You know what's good news though? It's when your children get carried away into captivity and are abused and they still have the joy of the Lord. And they don't turn their back on God. They're faithful to the Lord. That, those are the kinds of sons and daughters that I believe that God has given this house. That love the Lord during times of incredible difficulty. How do, we, how do we have the kind of joy that can endure a Holocaust? How do we have the kind of joy that can endure financial loss? How can we have joy that will survive and thrive even in the middle of a terminal illness diagnosis? How? Because God is faithful in Jerusalem and God is faithful in Babylon. God is faithful in Jerusalem. God is faithful in Egypt. You know, God is faithful in Jerusalem. God is faithful in Auschwitz. God is faithful in 2022. Pastor, things are getting so dark, they're getting so difficult. Listen, the darker the night, the brighter the light shines. Pastor, don't you think that, don't you think that the 
that Christianity is shrinking? I don't. I really don't. I think there are a lot of people who have called themselves Christians because it's beneficial to them. And when the rubber meets the road, though, they're the first ones to bow in front of the idol. But they were not following Jesus. They did not have the joy of the Lord. Pathway, the great thing about Christmas is that there is joy in Jesus because Jesus came as a baby in the manger and Jesus is coming again. And we can have joy in Jerusalem, we can have joy in Babylon, or after we go back to rebuild Jerusalem like Nehemiah, we can have joy in that journey too. There is no place that we can go that we don't have to, we, we don't have to give up joy. We can have hope, we can have peace. Why? Because my present situation is no indication of my future potential in Christ Jesus. We have joy. Do you have joy today in Jesus? Let me say it like this. Do you want joy today? Are you facing some things? Is there anybody here that walked in and you're facing some things today? Just go ahead and slip up your hand right now at all of our campuses. You just need to know it. You know, if you're in the first couple rows, if you raise your hands, your hand might show up on the screens at the other campus. So go ahead, raise that high because somebody needs to see at another campus that you are, they are not the only one facing things. Luke 2, verse 8. That night were shepherds, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. That news? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the deliverer, the healer. The William Wallace that you've been looking for. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus came as a baby to bring joy and hope. And when Jesus comes back again, he will bring great joy for the believer, for the believer, for you and me, if we place our trust in Jesus. Joy has come because the Lord has come. And if you're here and feeling heavy today and you've lost your joy, you've lost your peace, I have something to say to you today. Let the people sing again. Go get the harps and pull them down from the willow tree and tune up the guitar and let the joy of the Lord be your strength because Jesus has come, a baby in a manger and our soon coming King. Are you thankful? for the joy of the Lord that comes in Christ Jesus today. If you are just all over Pathway Church, come on, give God a great big praise today. Amen. If you're asking today, and maybe you've already asked, and you already feel God doing a work in you, but you say, I'm pastor, I'm in the middle of a great difficulty, and truth be known, I'm not walking in the joy of the Lord, but I wanna pull that harp off of that willow tree 
and I want the joy of the Lord to rule and reign over my life. If that's you, just slip up your hand right where you are today. Just go ahead and slip that up. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you today. Lord, we, we thank you that you meet us right where we are. You go with us wherever we'll go. You'll face whatever we face along with us. Lord, we pray for deliverance. But as we pray that we already know that you have delivered us. Father, we pray for strength. Encourage us today. Put your courage in us today for whatever storm we face. Father, we thank you today that there'll be people in our lives who are heavy, weary, tired. They're ready to quit. They might not quit life. They may just give up, just exist. Father, there may be people in our life that are so heavy and burdened down by emotional and financial, relational difficulty. Father, we pray that the joy of the Lord that we are entitled to, Father, would be something that we don't hold to ourselves, but we share it with people that we come into contact with. We know that the great majority of people will be tired and discouraged. But Father, for those of us that have a revelation of joy, Lord, would you help us to hold up the hands and the arms that hang low and encourage those who sit by the rivers of Babylon thinking that their best days have come and gone, that they're difficult now for people. I pray that they would have a revelation of God. Father, you would cause that to happen through each one of us today. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that said they came in today with great difficulty. I pray that you would strengthen them today, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength, that Jesus would be their strength. Well, Lord, I don't have any joy. Lord, that's why we thank you for the joy of the Lord. It doesn't come from human reason or strong will, grit, supernatural. It comes from Jesus. We pray that you'd impart that to our lives different because we walk in you. We love you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.